Hello, everyone. Yeah. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is July the 10th. 2020 strong hand long-term thinking bitcoin is the next bitcoin don't fomo on off coins unconfiscatable i'm offended by selling conviction personal responsibility is a new counterculture oh yeah we got a special one for you today omar bomb is in the house at long last you've seen us together before live and in person well now you see us live and in person together on the internet welcome crypto oh brecky has returned brecky bond bitcoin and Nick of Bitcoin Magazine, welcome to the show. You're making your debut on the show today, too. I am so pumped to have everybody here. Remember, dudes, you can ask questions in the chat. Type in Bitcoin Meister. Do the super chat. DisruptMeister.com. TechBalt on Twitter. Retweet it. All right. So there was a lot of big news this week. I, I was pretty pumped about the Coinbase IPO uh, talk. All right. Uh, there's some people that are they're not big fans of Coinbase, uh, so maybe they don't think it's a it's a positive but we got brecky here in the house he's gonna have a unique take on this because uh you deal with swan a lot so brecky von bitcoin we'll start it off with you what's your take on uh, coinbase ipo coinbase ipo yes i i do work for swan i'm uh their creative director so i'm quite biased um but that's because i believe we're doing a great thing um i mean look coinbase was probably gonna ipo the entire time we all knew that it was gonna happen um, so I'm not really surprised. Um, I don't really see why they need more money, to be perfectly honest. I think they have plenty of money. They're making lots of money. They charge way too much on fees. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's the next. Uh, it, it feels kind of ICO-y to me, you know? I don't know why. It just it kind of feels a little 2017. Um, but look, people want to invest in Coinbase, go for it. I certainly won't be doing so. Um, it's uh what do you i don't know man like it, it, look shitcoin casinos are gonna make money we all know that you we don't have to like it they're going to make money make your own financial decisions i'm betting on things i actually believe in long term not short term yeah um, I, I i and hey you don't have to like a coin that i you, you've stated clearly that you don't like uh you're not down with coinbase's business model but it is a it's a legitimate business model it's a, something that people people want to get into those altcoins and stuff but the the, the bigger picture though is this there's going to be a day and it could be at the end of this year uh where there's a huge amount of uh, media attention on, on bitcoin because of this um i mean do you, do you do you look at the positive side there with, with that aspect of it I mean, I do, you know, like and, and Coinbase is where I, I went to get my first bit of Bitcoin, you know. Um, I'm not sure if they're net positive or net negative at this point, but I think all news for Bitcoin is good news. Like, like it, there's there's an old adage. I think I think the quote goes back all the way to Aristotle and it basically says, you know, everything is good for Bitcoin. And it's not always true, but it's kind of true, you know, so I, I think it'll be OK to be. To kind of clarify my my Coinbase views, to be perfectly honest, like yes, I think they charge too much, and but to be honest, my 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 biggest qualm with them is are the things they haven't done. Um, I think they were in a were and and kind of are and still in a very unique position as like one of the few real unicorns in the space to do a lot for Bitcoin. 
You know, they could have done so much for Bitcoin education. They had so they have so much money. They could put up a billboard up in every goddamn city on 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 Earth, promoting Bitcoin and promoting knowledge, and they're not doing that. So, that's that's my my take right there. Well, maybe uh, with this influx of IPO money, they uh, it won't crash when uh, there's a Bitcoin uh, price hike the next time. Hopefully. All right, uh, crypto Omar, baby, what do you? What's your take on this? Well, first of all, I want to say thanks for having me on, Adam. I'm so excited that you got your channel back. Um, I know you lost your channel for a while, and you're someone who's done videos, I think, every single day. So that personally hurt me because even when I started making videos, I would watch your videos constantly on the side whenever I wanted to get some Bitcoin hype. Uh, so, so, yeah, I'm glad that you got that back, first of all. And, uh, and it's really nice to be back on an interview with you, especially because I think one of the, the first interview I actually did with crypto ever was you and Tai Zen back in the day, back in 2016. Yep. And then we were talking about Steemit. And so, yep. uh, yeah, it's crazy to be back with you. Um, and of course, with you, Brecky, uh, just I, I've known you for a long time in this space and you've done so much, honestly, I can't keep up with all your, like Swan, I just heard about, so I'm gonna have to Google that and see what's up with Swan afterwards. And hey, uh, we, we gotta get you a link, swanbitcoin.com yeah. slash Omar or crypto news, crypto's news. I will write that down. And then Nick, uh, Nick as well. I mean, Bitcoin Magazine. I mean, you guys are super influential in the space. I mean, Vitalik got started there uh, in a big way. He was working with you guys. I know you're in the news too. I want to talk about that because Charles Hoskinson recently apparently got uh, let go from Bitcoin. He, he got banned from the Telegram group or something like that. So he was quite upset. So I want to know if you have any sort of take on that and uh, if that's developed any further. But yeah, to answer your question, uh, Adam, in regards to the Coinbase IPO, it's actually going to be a direct share. So the way that it works is that they already have private shares in the company and it gives them the opportunity to basically offload those shares. So they're not creating any new shares. They're not necessarily raising any new money. But I guess you could argue that is debatable because if they sell those shares and there's a huge amount of demand, then the share that they are holding and they hold on to after selling the initial shares might climb in value and gives them an opportunity to dump on folks. So that might not be very It sounds cool. like a pre-mine. It sounds like a pre-mine. It is a pre-mine. I mean, that's, that's it's a, it's a pre-mine. Uh, so yeah, I mean, pre-mines can still make you money, right? They, I mean, Dogecoin has an infinite amount of production of coins at one minute blocks. So, I mean, think about the pre-mine if you're getting into it now and people are still buying it. It doesn't really matter. Uh, liquidity is what matters more than anything, I would say. Not, not fundamental, sadly. Uh, there's so many memes about that, but I, I think it is a net positive, actually. I'll take that side of it, Adam, which is that um, I think it's going to bring great attention to crypto. Absolutely. It might not be billboards in, in every single city, but in a way it kind of is because everyone follows the U.S. stock market. It would be the first U.S. crypto exchange, especially a regulated good one. Uh, that is going to be up for listing. And I think that, that crypto companies like that beginning to issue shares could be a net positive for crypto in general, giving them cred credibility, opening up transparency and how much money they're making and what they're actually doing if they go public and putting that out there for the rest of Wall Street to pay attention. And so you have a lot of excitement about tech stocks, like, you know, uh, obviously Tesla, you have Netflix. So I can easily see a huge new premium category for crypto companies that decide to go public as there's, in my opinion, probably going to be a lot of hype as uh, if we do begin a, a bull run. And probably know that could be a huge catalyst for, for that bull run. Although personally, I think it's going to be Ethereum officially, like, like I said on Twitter earlier today, I think officially announcing a hard date for phase zero of Ethereum 2.0 is probably going to be 
the kind of thing that breaks block folio again. So uh, especially what we've seen with DeFi and everything else. So I'm just excited. I think it's it's something fundamentally bullish. Of course, there's going to be negatives out there, but uh, people holding shares in Coinbase gives them an incentive to be like, for example, if if I bought a certain stock, am I more likely to engage with that company as a customer? I would argue probably yes. So people just like, oh, what is this new Coinbase company? Oh, crypto, cool. I want to see my stock price go up. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to I'm going to talk about crypto a little bit more, maybe do some more research. And I'm not just talking about small players. I'm talking about big players here, the big whales. So that's kind of my perspective on things. Very, very unique perspective there. I do want to remind people, uh, I'm not saying to buy those Coinbase shares. You want to buy the real thing. You want to buy the real But there are people, I mean, this is it's, it's this is where the big boys play. So if some people want their piece of cryptocurrency by owning a cryptocurrency stock. Let them do it. And I think a lot of people will. Uh, by the way, in the article, it also said that BlockFi is thinking about uh, having an IPO in, in, in 2021, uh, which, which is uh, very interesting. So, Nick, we, we've said a lot, but I'm sure you've got some uh, you've got some ideas about this, too. Uh, what's your take on uh, IPOs for cryptocurrency companies? Is this uh, is this going to get the mainstream uh, aware of Bitcoin? Uh, before I say anything, I just want to say thanks for having me. It's my sure, first man. time on the show, and it's actually my first time talking to any one of you three. So it's nice to meet you, Omar and Brecky. Nice to meet you. Um, so my thoughts on this Coinbase thing, it's I kind of have similar thoughts with Brecky. Um, after Coinbase got caught or they admitted that they were selling uh, their user data to the government, I really was like, okay, you know, in my mind, I kind of threw them in the trash can and I just haven't been paying attention to them that much. I do think there are uh, some positives that can come out of it, like obviously spreading um, the word of Bitcoin is really good. You know, people see number go up and they're like, oh my God, I can buy this company that sells Bitcoin on the stock exchange. Like, obviously, I think that's all really good. Um, it's just for me, I won't be owning the stock for two reasons. One, because I don't agree with some of the stuff the company's done. And I don't think Brian Armstrong is a very good person to be fit uh, to run the company. And two, I'm not going to be buying stocks until the stock market is denominated in BTC. <laughs> Pound that like button, people. That's a hardcore guy, man. <laughs> Very good. You value your wealth in Bitcoin again. The but but it's a for the people for the people who value their wealth in fiat. Uh, they're gonna get. Uh, they're gonna become aware of, of Bitcoin. Sorry to interrupt you there, Nick. Anything else? Oh no, you're good. Keep on going. All right, now. So I think uh, I think we've. Uh, talked about this enough. Omar, you brought up something very uh, interesting. Why not, why not talk about what Omar just brought up that I have no idea about what he's talking about? Charles Hoskinson getting kicked off of a group. Do you know about this, Nick? Omar, what, what is this? Well, there was a video that Charles Hoskinson put up because he is obviously the CEO of Cardano, pretty much. IOHK, which produced the Cardano Wait, stuff. But anyway, how, can they, a, they, how can a cryptocurrency have a CEO? Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And PPP. The, the, the software. The yeah. software, yeah. So so he had his big conference this past weekend and he put out a video right before one of the last talks, I believe, or in between some talks, and he said, 
he was feeling really, really bummed and disappointed because he had supported Bitcoin Magazine for such a long time and had so much history going back such a long time with with uh, with Bitcoin Magazine. And so I, I don't know what he did. I don't remember what it was that he did. I don't think he even mentioned what it was that he might have said in the Telegram, but it seems that he got uh, blacklisted from it for some reason. <laughs> he was kind of disappointed. Was this um, was this related to uh, IOHK taking uh, stimulus money? Maybe. Oh, that's what maybe. I was wondering. I, I heard that maybe. happen. Hit, hit, IHK yeah. and I, I, I forget which other ones did, but like a bunch of like well-known crypto companies and foundations that should have plenty of money yeah. ended up taking money. Which yeah. Is a whole All right. Thing. Nick, do you know anything about uh, what Omar is talking about? So the details that I was told was that someone got into an argument with him on a Telegram chat because he was posting something I don't know if he was shilling Cardano or what it was, but it pissed someone off. And um, one of the admins, I don't know who, it was not me, I can tell you that, um, just kicked him out of the Telegram group. And then he got really upset. And then um, from my knowledge, that's been fixed. And either he's been, he got uh, access back to the group or he will be getting access back to the group because... Um, our CEO David Bailey said that he's a good um, a good uh, connection to have and a good friend, and that he doesn't want to lose that connection. Um, question: When he was trying to get back in, did he open up a support ticket? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just saw a message in our Slack asking who banned him and to unban him. <laughs> so I just. I just I don't love know. that uh, that old story. It must have been like a year or two ago. I, I don't remember where it was just like, do you know who I am? I'm the founder of Cardano. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, dudes. We had our altcoin yenta session here. So now, <laughs> unplanned altcoin yenta session. You never know what you're going to get on this start show. But so let's talk more <laughs> about an altcoin I mean, I, I see no difference between Dogecoin and Cardano. So let's talk about Dogecoin, uh, something that, that quite uh, – I, I think it's good. I, I, I take a positive take on everything, okay? So somebody on TikTok, all the young dudes are out on TikTok. You know, the Chinese spy on you there, apparently. I, I hear it's, it's – but – so I'm not on TikTok. Uh -oh. But somebody – Dogecoin. Do, let's pump Dogecoin to a dollar. And it, it gained traction. And all of a sudden, it's trending on freaking Twitter. Uh, and lots of people are buying it uh, uh, supposedly through – Robin Hood, and we'll get into the Robin Hood thing in a second. But for me, I was like, okay, it's a joke, obviously, but there are a lot of young people that this is going to be their first time dealing with cryptocurrency, and they're going to get into Bitcoin. I, I consider it a free advertisement Bitcoin. I also see uh, altcoin people out there trying to replicate this in the future and do t other TikTok pumps. So, I mean, challenges, and that's the challenges. They're calling them challenges. Okay, the challenges. Right. So, the so, challenge. you, you, so, what's your yeah, challenge? It's, it's well, a Dogecoin challenge. The price? Can so we get to a dollar? Come on. So, yeah, and to get to a dollar, it would have to have a uh, an, a uh, market cap that would be very close to Bitcoins. Which, so, I mean, if you look at it that way, you see how silly it is. But, I mean, they did pump it. And so, Omar, what, what, what's your uh, take on this? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of scary, like you said, Adam, because 
There was a post on the cryptocurrency subreddit the day after the pump started, and, and uh, there was a miner asking, hey, do miners in the U.S. have to pay taxes? And then if you go into the post, uh, the miner is like, yeah, I, I just picked up this coin. You probably heard of it. It's called Dogecoin. I just grabbed it on Robinhood. And so I was just wondering about taxes, if miners have to pay them. I Apparently, he used his parents' account. So <laughs> I, think <it's, laughs> I think his parents might be liable for that one. But it's scary because you look at Dogecoin. And right now I'm looking at the price. It's down 20.07%. And since I saw that post, it's only gone down. So imagine the number of young people or, or otherwise who are currently getting wrecked by having participated in this challenge. And I think that's actually kind of a negative because it makes Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies look bad if your first experience is losing money like some people who got into BitConnect really, really late. You know, that's a, that's, that is a good point there. And uh, some of them are learning the, the hard lesson. <laughs> Their first lesson in, in uh, crypto is a, is a hard lesson because it is going to obviously it's going to drop in price uh, even more. The pump was very unnatural unless they could get some uh, other media coverage there. But yeah, good good point there. Uh, well, how about you, Nick? What, what's your take? I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I saw two TikToks. One of some guy, he's like, yo, just just put 25 bucks in and if we all do it, you'll make 10K when it hits a dollar. Like that gave me <laughs> mad 2017 vibes. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So are we getting closer to, so this is the thing, are we, I think we're, we're definitely one day closer to something like that happening again. Do you, do you, do you see the altcoin, uh, altcoin season on the horizon again, Nick? Is this a sign that we're about to hit it? I, I heard a little bit. But the the website I use to uh, check prices is Bitcoin only. I don't. I I stopped paying attention to every other coin like a while ago. Dude, this dude is hardcore. Pound that like button. You, know, <laughs> you you value your wealth in Bitcoin. You don't even look at the freaking altcoins. <laughs> this is. Well, I'm glad I had you on the show today. All right, Brecky, how about you with the Dogecoin thing? Look, I'll tell you this. All right. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with the kids these days. Can't they just start a telegram group and do their pump and dumps the old school way? Don't, haven't they ever heard of Palm Beach Co Confidential League? <laughs> don't, don't they know about this? All right, TikTok? What is this TikTok bullshit? All right. Um, look, I can see both sides. Um, I can see your side that any exposure to crypto, I don't like using that word, but crypto will eventually lead to Bitcoin. Um, so that could be a plus. But, you know, the thought of all these kids getting wrecked uh, is terrible. Um, and, but that being said, like how many people, how many of us, myself included, I'm one of them got into it for the money and stayed for the technology because we actually give a shit, you know? So, you know, it's all good for Bitcoin. Um, but wow. that, let me, let me make a distinction. There's a difference between what's good for Bitcoin and what's good for people, the individuals. This is bad for the individuals. Is it possibly good for Bitcoin in the long term? I think so, but there's a difference there. Yeah. And there was there was there was mainstream media coverage of this. That's why I look at it as a positive for Bitcoin. But yeah, for some individuals, yeah, they're going to get uh, uh, totally uh, wrecked by this. Uh, but hey, that's uh, that, that's so is life. Hey, are we are we uh, are you smelling an altcoin season uh, on the horizon here, uh, crypto? Yeah, I mean, I'm the permable, so I'm always, it's always around the corner for me. I'm one of those guys who got wrecked even in 2017 because I didn't sell and I was strong hands and I held all the way to the bottom as well as the top. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I do feel that, especially what we're seeing again with DeFi. 
Uh, like I saw a tweet earlier that talked about the numbers on Ethereum, even uh, the amount of Bitcoin left on Ethereum, which I don't think is necessarily good for Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> that you're having so much Bitcoin locked up in smart contracts that it's still so early in the game. That could be destructive. Um, but at the same time, I guess maybe that Bitcoin just gets lost permanently. So maybe it would be good for the supply. Um, but yeah, I mean, with all those numbers looking so great, I think it's a matter of time before the prices catch up to the fundamentals, which arguably are so much better than they were in 2017. I mean, even Bitcoin has SegWit. It has uh, definitely more application. It has more people, uh, more old investors talking about it constantly online. It's like they make fun of it at first and then they just can't stop paying attention to it attention to it like mr rubini like uh, nuriel rubini or like uh, warren buffett uh, it, it always it just comes up all the time now or of course elon musk who's always talking about bitcoin wait here has nuriel there. been talking about bitcoin uh, he blocked me a while ago so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I haven't checked recently but uh, yeah i mean <laughs> maybe yeah. i gotta actually check on that one yeah i, I want to tell all the viewers uh, omar he's he wants to talk about this DeFi thing and we are going to talk about it don't worry people because i gotta i I, I want to, but but let's. I want to. I want to talk about stick with this uh, gambling type of mentality because that the, the TikTok uh, Dogecoin thing, it, it, the youth are can be very impulsive. Okay, that that that's one lesson that we get out of this. And going to uh, the bigger financial world, the last few months, uh, Robinhood has has been a big thing. It's like a Robinhood culture, and with this Dogecoin thing, people were saying. Uh, but buy it through Robinhood, and I believe some people were. And if you buy it from Robinhood, you can't even get it off of Robinhood, uh, from what I understand. I've I've never tried it. Again, I would I would never try it. Uh, but what do you uh, what do you think about this uh, Robinhood gambling mentality now of of the young people? The people their their introduction to finance here is like pump. All it is is pump, uh, and they don't know what the heck they're buying, and it's really easy to do it. And, and and I think uh, part of the reason Tesla's getting pumped up so much, and I could be wrong, is, is is because of people buying it through Robinhood and stuff. There was, you know, with the traditional stock market, there was a, there was a big Robinhood pump, and it's probably still going on. So, uh, I mean, this is a, a broader uh, financial question, Brecky, but what do you think about this Robinhood mentality that everything's everything's a gamble, everything's social media, uh, it, it's so easy to do now. I don't think it's a good thing long-term, but I don't think it's anything new. I think it's something that human beings were kind of hardwired to, to gravitate towards these types of things. Um, I have Robinhood. I don't really use it. I, I got it. I used to. I got it to like just look around and see how it works. You know, they, they actually don't do a bad, I, a bad job of like telling you about risks and trying to explain things to you. But, you know, it's also heavily, heavily gamified. It's like you don't even feel like you're entering into a like a – a business these are business contracts like you know and the fact that it's also a closed loop and you don't actually own what you're buying i think is terrible um it's it, the, the gamified aspect is huge because that's what's draw I, that's what's well, keeping them that's it's, that gets well, it's that but also like there's no sports there's no gambling on sports there's no uh sports in general so like human beings need that kind of thing to keep them going they need something to excite them and so with a lack of everything else, like this was like the natural place. Like look what you know, Dave Portnoy has been doing, right? Um, yeah. The other thing that I think is important to note, sorry, I got some uh, garbage trucks outside, is that a lot of people don't realize that these pumps are not what they necessarily appear. 
So like, for example, if you were to like take like the S&P 500 and price it in gold instead of dollars, it, we are not at highs, we are at lows. You know, like a lot of this is artificial. A lot of this is from the money that's being pumped in. Some of it's retail, but some of it is also the fact that like there are, um, you know, like retirement funds out there that are mandated to be buying certain stocks. And so they are artificially pumping it up. So it's like, I don't know. Just do your own research, people. <laughs> auto stack Bitcoin at swanbitcoin.com. That's it. That's all you got to do. All right. Nick, you're a young dude, man. What do you think about this gamification and uh, I think people are losing touch with, they're making it all into a big game, which is, I mean, I think they're going to learn learn a hard lesson, but what, what's your take, Nick? Young, like the younger people getting in and buying stuff on Robinhood because it's so easy. Like a lot of young people don't have much money to begin with. So the money they are getting wrecked on isn't very much. But the thing that scares me is the kids that will try and trade with margin so they can get more money. Like, I don't know if you heard, but there yeah, was a right. there was a young man who committed suicide because he ended up owing about, I think it was 800 or $700,000 in debt. And I mean, I think like having such easy access like that when you don't know what you're doing, I think is a problem. But like, I also like having the option to do it if I wanted to, you know what I mean? But um, I used to have Robin Hood. I don't anymore. I just, I, I thought it was cool for stocks. Definitely not Bitcoin because if you can't own it, I just, if I can't hold my own keys, I don't want anything to do with it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you've got some personal responsibility here. I mean, my, my broader question is, is this younger generation uh, – becoming super impulsive and degenerate and uh, <laughs> well, yeah. here's a question for you like the younger generation and you know i don't think we're too far from it feels a lot of responsibility for social issues for the environment for making sure that socially we are a better uh better better off than we are than we were but part of that and i don't know if they realize that is that is, is personal responsibility like it starts with the individual you know, so you need to take responsibility for your for your actions. And I think like this Robin Hood stuff really reminds me of like some of the early days of crypto and even some of the current days of crypto, because it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. And, oh, I have to pay taxes. I didn't even know it was so easy. I just clicked. And now I, you know, own a hundred million uh, coins of the shit coin. You know, like it's we're not in a society in a society that promotes individual responsibility yet, like in schools, you know. Kids are not taught financial responsibility. They're not taught accounting. They're not taught how to manage a checkbook. You know, if they're not taught these things or they don't know these things, well, then you know, it's bad news bears. Like, yeah. I don't, that's right. that's fiat schooling for you. They don't teach you uh, self sovereignty. They don't teach you about finances. Like, you got a bunch of young kids walking around preaching for communism and socialism. Like, why wasn't that? Why wasn't you know that teach like? Fiat schooling is just, it's, it's, it's not terrible, something I yeah. want to be a part of. And it's not everything, though, because I remember when I went to private school in New York City, they did teach us how to balance a checkbook. And I was only in, like, first, second grade. We were using computers, learning about finance. And then when I went to Miami and I entered the public school system, I, I, I was waiting for that lesson to come and it never came, which I think there's a difference there. <laughs> if you can afford, and I'm not saying I went to an expensive school or anything like that. I'm just saying there's different 
types of schools and private institutions might be better suited to educate kids in, in, in different kind of financial fields. I don't know about personal responsibility. That's a, that's a little too esoteric, too fringy, right? The idea that it starts from within, that's too much. We can't, we can't standardize that. Well, maybe you could. But um, I think Robinhood is, is really, really cool, actually, and Cash App in the sense that, you know, now they even offer, offer fractional shares, which is really neat because if you're looking at Tesla breaking, I don't even know, it's, I think it's over 800 bucks. Now these kids could buy little pieces of it. And yeah, like Nick said, they can get wrecked, right? But it, hopefully it's just a small amount and it's not a margin long like the trader who committed suicide. And it's funny because I heard that that trader actually didn't really owe that money, the 700,000 plus, almost 800,000 bucks that he owed. It's just that the UI hadn't cleared and settled the trade yet. And he was doing some bull spread option puts that he didn't fully understand. And so Robinhood said that they're going to be cleaning up their UI and offering even more disclosure. So yeah, like Brecky said, I think they're doing a pretty good job. Obviously, they're not perfect, but it's a great opportunity like to, to begin getting involved in understanding finances and thinking about taxes. Maybe you've never thought about them until that point. And so I think it, it's great because it eventually teaches them uh, a little bit about fundamentals and it might even lead them into cryptocurrency. So I think it's kind of a good thing. Obviously, there's a, there's a lot of bad that can come out of it, but... I think in the long term, it's a net positive for education. Personal responsibility is the new counterculture. Counter one of the sayings on this show. But yeah, most people don't want to be part of the counterculture, uh, uh, the okay. true counterculture. The mainstream culture is uh, blame everybody else, go with the go with the herd, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Any, uh, and by the way, all these dudes are linked to below. Best freaking guest in the space, dudes. I bring it to you every freaking Friday this week in Bitcoin. Follow them on Twitter. Seriously. Okay. On, on this uh, subject matter, anybody else have anything uh, to say about uh, degenerates and uh, and uh, whatever, <laughs> Robin Hood, et cetera? Where was Romano in all of this? Was he trading Dogecoin? No, I'm kidding. I don't want to get Hey, Brett, your, your mic went down a little bit. I think you might be blocking your mic or something like that. Like it keeps – uh, Testing, testing. Or just yeah. uh, just yell or something. Okay, let's, oh. uh, let's move on to – I think it might be time to talk about – all right, Ethereum and, uh, and DeFi and 2.0 and, and, and Ethereum 2.0. There, there's a lot of different takes on this, and – you, you have to get outside your bubble, I think, to fully appreciate or, or see what's going on. It, it, the guys, um, and, and, I, and Nick, you're awesome, that you are, uh, you are hardcore Bitcoin. I think there's a lot of, and I'm hardcore Bitcoin, of course, too. But there, there are a lot of hard, <laughs> And Brecky, of course, Brecky is hardcore Bitcoin. I, I worked hard for this maximalist uh, uh, he, he's, thing I got going on here. Yeah, dude, I mean, he's taken it to a whole new level. I mean, he's got a company working for a company and stuff doing with this stuff. Now, it, there's there's a common thread among a lot of people on crypto Twitter that are that are hardcore Bitcoin people. And, and Udi basically leads this uh, charge that Ethereum's a joke, et cetera, et cetera, that everybody hates it, that nobody's using it, et cetera. Et cetera. But then when you look in, you start to investigate some of these Silicon Valley people who want to have like the next Bitcoin, okay? And I don't believe Ethereum is the next Bitcoin, but they're just some people that love things like that. They don't even fully understand what it is. They're getting pumped for this thing. There is a lot of money being thrown into this DeFi thing. So I believe, I mean, I'm just going to look at the facts on the ground. I'm not the biggest Ethereum fan in the world. I'm not buying Ethereum, but I can't deny that this is, is going to, I lived through the ICO thing. I saw like uh, ladies in Australia that were talking about buying ICO 
ICOs, and they had no idea what they were even really talking about. But Ethereum had come into their mainstream world somehow. So Ethereum 2.0, uh, the, the the whole DeFi thing, these these are buzzwords. They're being used as buzzwords to attract people, but um, and they're going to. And they're going to be people that, and I mean, I'm, I'm finding out about shows where people are so into these uh, DeFi tokens and whatnot, and they're really hardcore about it. Now, do I think that what they're talking about will succeed? No, I don't exactly think it will. But I, I say all this because um, I, well, I want to give my, my take. It, it's real. Uh, and that I think it's going to be bigger than the ICO thing. And I think a lot of people are going to end up very unhappy. But I think some people will end up happy. And I am a guy who says, hey, innovate, compete, don't complain. Uh, so we have Omar here today who, as long as I've been following him, I mean, this dude was like mining Ethereum <laughs> on a computer. It was next to your bed in Florida or something like that. So you've seen, <laughs> you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot of uh, change in Ethereum. What is your whole take on the Ethereum uh, 2.0? I, I, I know you're going to say you're bullish, obviously. And what's your take on kind of the, the rep that it's getting in the Bitcoin community too? So I, I said a lot. Now it's your time, time to say a lot, uh, Omar. <laughs> no, there's a lot. I, I do want to say that I'm not one of those guys actually who fully is recommending everybody messes with DeFi. Like I've done one real video kind of describing what that looked like where you basically lock up some tokens, then you can borrow some tokens using that as collateral, and then you trade those tokens for the original token that you locked up as collateral, then you lock it up again, and then that opens you up to more, and then you borrow more, and then you trade more, and you just repeat this until you basically decentralize uh, your leverage in a huge way. It's extremely scary because, I mean, obviously, like I've said before, smart contract risk, these are things that even the best auditors can't really audit this because it's brand new technology. And there are so many endpoints. And even with the amount of people looking at it on Twitter and trying to break it apart into devs, there are still issues that come up constantly. Just last week, there was a hack on Balancer. So I do feel like some people are setting themselves up to get wrecked. So I always recommend like, if you wanna do this, then do it for educational reasons because I do feel it's important in the future that I think even Bitcoiners, right? Like this idea of not having to do necessarily KYC, having centralized institutions who who uh, take an extra fee in center. Omar, ah, your mic. Omar, mic, microphone check. All right, wait, Omar, the last 10 seconds, you gotta pump your mic up. A uh, little bit, wait, say, say a couple more words. Oh man, are, are we back? Okay, now? now you're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you go back. Oh, I'll, I'll be right back. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I, I was saying that even Bitcoiners can pretty much agree, like hardcore Bitcoiners, that the idea was about taking out the middleman who are extorting fees, collecting honeypots of information, and so I think that what is happening with Ethereum is the building up of this financial web. What's going on with DeFi anyway? The ability to access a new ecosystem, but like a web 2.5 of just uh, finance, which is incredible when you plug in a MetaMask wallet and it lets you interact with these smart contracts. But I think it's really, really early in the game. And so that's a huge risk. I'd never recommend anybody who's new to begin messing with that stuff. I always tell them to buy Bitcoin first and research Bitcoin above all, because still, even with my experience, I feel like Ethereum is way more speculative. Uh, it has compounding amounts of risk 
because of the complexity in what you can do with it, with Solidity, the language, which uh, it's, it's difficult even for long-time devs to begin building with. You make one small mistake, put one thing in the wrong place, and you've cost people so much money. So if, especially if you're not a dev who understands Solidity, uh, to be trusting, you know, it's about removing trust, trusting the developers to have done the right thing, even if it's audited, to me, is, is kind of crazy at this point. So I, I, I don't know. That, that's how I put it with that regard. But with Ethereum 2.0, I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, scalability to be able to do these transactions much, much quicker uh, to still have that happen. Because there are a lot of blockchains that try to have sharding and try to have you know proof of stake and say we have proof of stake. But they, they are basically like an Ethereum light light. They have very few shards. They're more centralized in the number of nodes. Uh, the pre-mining is, to, I know you could argue Ethereum is pre-mined, but to a greater degree, it's pre-mined uh, in a bigger way and held by one developer. Ethereum has so many developers. So I think the future is positive, but it's slow, man. It's, it's, yeah. it's not a guarantee that it's going to be coming out this year, even Ethereum 2.0. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a wait and see approach. Bitcoin is still a solid one. I'm, I'm still a Bitcoiner at heart. Uh, that's how I started off myself. I just saw the, the potential for more gains, of course, with Ethereum and just so much more that you can do with it that you can't necessarily do as easily on Bitcoin that, that does provide value. Being able to lock up some Bitcoin and, and let it access that Ethereum ecosystem, I think is really, really cool. But this needs to be battle tested a little bit longer before I could ever really recommend anybody put any serious money into this. Now, now, pulling off this transition to 2.0, I have read about it, and it, see, it sounds like it is incredibly complex, uh, and that's why so many people are saying it's not going to happen. So you do believe they will be able to pull this off? I do. I do. I've been following it forever, and I still listen to the, to the talks, the actual developer meetings, and so I see the work going into it. I see the discussions about economics. I see... EIP 1559, I see EIP 1404, I see the way that you can uh, change the token economics to basically better incentivize different parties to want to stake and to keep the network decentralized. A lot of that is just tweaking small things, but for the most part, the framework for Ethereum 2.0 is done. It's a matter now of just implementation and the small minor tweaks that are going on right now. I think there's just one more major testnet, like multi-client testnet that's going to be done before Ethereum 2.0 phase zero is coming out. And so I think this is, you know, before the herd hears about it, this might be an interesting time to pay attention a bit more to Ethereum, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's not financial advice. You do you, man. Yeah. Especially and if you haven't done research. So that's my question. I, I, I wish them luck. And it, because it does seem incredibly complex. If they pull this thing off and it doesn't break, uh, it's going to generate a lot of publicity for Ethereum, for cryptocurrency. Uh, and there will be a, do you foresee some, I, I, I don't think they're going to be able to do it until 2021, personally, but uh, because there's so many delays anyway. But if there is a completely successful pull off of this and everything goes swimmingly, what do you what do you foresee for, for the cryptocurrency community? Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's I think it's be a great, man. It's, I mean, Ethereum has led the last all, like all coin rallies. Somebody even argued it kind of started the rally last time before yes. Bitcoin caught up. Bitcoin always gets pissed off, is what I said. It gets upset that it's not rallying as hard as anything else when it goes too far. And so Bitcoin just catches up. So the fact that you're seeing Bitcoin being able to be locked up and put into Ethereum, I think cements Bitcoin even more in a way because it's, it's a reserve asset now in another decentralized ecosystem. 
Uh, so I don't think Bitcoin's going away. I don't think Ethereum 2.0 is Bitcoin is, is going to even try to be Bitcoin. Um, I think Bitcoin is going to be that reserve asset, maybe even the main one. I would rather hold, for example, as collateral, if I'm going to be messing with DeFi, WBTC or a, a Bitcoin derivative, because I know I still have Bitcoin at the end of the day that I can take back whenever I want. And I might get some yield on it. So uh, it's, like it's more trusted than Tether. You know, it, 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 it says a lot that, that they're valuing they're valuing their wealth in Bitcoin. Those guys that made the wrapped Bitcoin. Okay, someone was about to say something there. I interrupted someone. Yeah, <laughs> I was saying. Well, Omar was saying I can take you back whenever I want, and I was saying, but can you? And there's a lot to unpack here. I don't want to go into the full maximalist versus altcoiner argument. Um, my perspective is that uh, Ethereum is too centralized. There's a, there's a, you know, a, a centralization scale and all projects are somewhere on that scale. I would argue that Bitcoin is, as, is the most decentralized project that exists at, at, at the moment. Um, and you know, if something's trying, I don't wanna say trying to be money, but here's the thing. If you create a token, whether you realize it or not, it is competing with Bitcoin as money. And if you subscribe to the Austrian idea that, you know, the harder money will win, then in the long term, everything will come back to Bitcoin. You know, like it's, it's complex. I'm not going to get into it, but that's one way to look at it. Um, the other things to think about, and Omar, I think you did a good job talking about this, is that is, is the risk. You know, there is a lot of risk in something that is this new. Um, it could break. People could lose money. So I don't really give a shit what anyone else does with their money or with their Bitcoin. They want to go for it. Go for it. Um, I just, to me, this kind of feels like the flavor of the year. Like, I mean, Ethereum has, has, the narrative has shifted for Bitcoin, but the narrative has shifted for Ethereum many times. And this is just the latest, in my opinion. Um, also, it's like, a lot of the times you're taking something decentralized, let's say with wrapped Bitcoin, like you're taking something decentralized and you're centralizing it again. And look, I'm not always opposed to that. What I'm opposed to is people doing that without realizing the risk. You know, like even something like BlockFi, uh, a lot of people don't like BlockFi. They don't like giving up their private keys. And I totally understand that. Yep. I have no problem with, with BlockFi in general. I have a problem with their lack of risk disclosure. I have a problem with people not understanding what they're getting themselves into. The same way that these young kids are getting themselves into a doge pump and getting wrecked. Like they just, they don't know. And part of it's personal responsibility. You know, like you need to take your own responsibility for messing around with a smart contract that you cannot read or understand. Um, but part of it is also the messaging, you know? Part of it is um, the communities that are trying to get people interested and active in, in these new innovative things. And you need to do, they should be doing so in a responsible way. I that. agree with that actually, because you know, there weren't many Ethereum shells I was one of the first ones, as you can imagine, who was publicly out there. I started the, the Ethereum News channel. That's what my channel used to be called. And I just realized nobody was talking about it, but it was mostly devs and chats on Reddit and stuff like that. But now, I'm sure you've noticed on Twitter, there are many more Ethereum shills, as you might see. And DeFi today, shills. There are DeFi, DeFi. shills. Yeah, now they're DeFi God, shills. They sound like drug dealers in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, why don't you wrap your Bitcoin? I'm just like, no, yeah. go away. Yeah, and I think part of that is definitely that there's been more incentivization uh, for that. Like, there's actually funding now. If you are an Ethereum shill, there's a way to get that through Gitcoin grants, which, you know, as somebody who supports Ethereum, I think, cool, somebody's doing that work and getting paid for it. But at a certain point, it's like, uh, what was that quote that Hartesh said on, on Twitter the other day? It was like, they're, they're the, the worst, the most harmful addictions are carbohydrates, uh, 
carbohydrates, heroin, and a monthly salary. So I, I think like that monthly salary might make you not necessarily want to outline those risks because you might not be getting that grant if you say anything negative, which is why I never wanted to take money from projects because I want to be able to call them out if I think they do something wrong and not feel like I'm, I'm just friendly with them and I'm just sugarcoating something. So th there is something wrong there. I would definitely agree with Brecky on that one, uh, for sure. But I think Ethereum, just to point one more thing out that Brecky said there, you know, I, I don't think Ethereum is necessarily trying to be money. There's a whole, even within Ethereum community to say it is money, it's not money. I think it's more of a protocol for how to use money. So you can use DAI in this way. You can use Bitcoin if you wrap it in this way. It lets you do a lot of things See, you I might not necessarily be able to do. Omar, I agree with you. I, don't, I, I yeah. don't think Ethereum is trying to be money. My point is that by the very nature of having a token, you are a competing money. They may not want to be, but you know they could have built, like, could Ethereum, could everything that's being done on Ethereum be done with AWS? Do they need a token? Did they? I don't know. But if the answer is no, it could have been done without a token, then my, my thought is, well, then you shouldn't have made a token. Right. I, I mean, at the bottom of it is it's, uh, it's about civil attacks and incentivization. So rewarding people to secure the network. I mean, that's what blockchain is about in a decentralized way without having like Amazon at the center of it, able to just like, like you saw uh, apparently Tether locked a bunch of addresses recently. And so did USDC. They blacklisted an address for a, for a theft. So you can't necessarily do that on Ethereum on, on a base level. So that's kind of the power of a decentralized blockchain. So that's why I would say a token is there, of course, to stop spam attacks, especially if, uh, you know, Ethereum becomes extremely popular and you have parties that want to disrupt the network and there's significant value in it. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it could be replaced by AWS, but a lot of Ethereum does exist on AWS. So I know that's something uh, Bitcoiners point out, right? A lot of the nodes are ran on AWS. Now I'll admit that is the case, uh, like the Infura nodes, for example, but uh, they are, that's something else that is being worked towards. And I think when Ethereum 2.0 launches, that's not even going to be an issue anymore. And since we're so close, some of these discussions, I think, will be mute eventually. If that, if of course it launches, which might be difficult, as Adam says, and maybe not this year. I if mean, it, it is. It is if, if proof of stake works, if, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll leave that for later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, no, it's fun. It's fun to chat. I want to know what Nick thinks, though. Yeah, uh, Nick, yeah Nick, Nick, Nick's kind of get his, I, I want to hear doesn't even want to talk about it. He doesn't even hard, want to I, I think that's what we're going to get. He doesn't I mean, even know what Ethereum is. Yes, yes. <laughs> Nick, what, what, what's your take? Uh, I've not educated myself enough on DeFi or DiFi or however you pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> like, for me, I'm not a big fan of Ethereum. I just don't like, I just don't think it works well. I, I don't like how Vitalik is on Twitter lying to people on threads about how it works. I think it's centralized. Um, it, so when DeFi or DiFi came out, I just, I don't want to sound closed-minded, but I just kind of ignored it. Um, I have just been strictly just thinking about BTC only. Like, um, yes. What are you guys excited about when it comes to Bitcoin? I want to know, since you follow it maybe even closer than I do. So what what are you guys looking forward to with Bitcoin development uh, on, a, on, a, on a higher level coming up soon? Nick, you're Bitcoin Magazine. What, what's, what, what are you looking forward to? Because usually it's like small UI things or small changes to this or that. Or like, uh, for example, being able to cancel your fee and replace it. That was one of the recent big ones. Uh, but it's even, it's even not that major because I know Bitcoin development has to happen slowly. You might not get 
your your request put into the code. If it's anything major, anything controversial, anything that could possibly pose any serious risk, it's not gonna be included. So Bitcoin moves slower, but is there anything in the pipeline that you see, Nick, or, or Breck or, or Adam coming up soon that is kind of important, you think? Nick, if you wanna go first or I can go first, either way. I just think the continuing development of uh, the Lightning Network and other second layer solutions like state chains. Um, when I look at Bitcoin, I just look at I look at it more from an economic level yeah. than a technical level. Like, I still have a lot to learn about you know how it exactly down to the you know last detail how it works and everything. But like, I've always been fascinated by the economics of it, and you know after learning of finances and of economics in high school and in uh and in college, I just it's so clear to me and even after reading stuff like the bitcoin standard like the hardest money always wins and you study throughout civilization that humanity prospers and flourishes under a hard money and under soft money it's so like soft money like the u.s dollar is so unnatural and just it's it's terrible it's not something i like when i'm older and i have my own family i don't want to be raising kids in a world where they have you know the U.S. dollar and all these governments, you know, hunching over them, controlling their every move. It's just, I want my, you know, I want freedom for myself. I want freedom for everyone. And uh, it allows me to have that. I think the question, you know, what, this is the difference between Ethereum and Bitcoin. Ethereum is all these technical complexities and it's really cool programmable money. uh, And there's all sorts of stuff that I don't even get that they're planning on doing. With the reason I like Bitcoin is because it is simple, and I don't, you know, people are excited about the Lightning Network. I don't. That's not my thing. I, for me, Bitcoin, it's totally financial. It's a newfangled savings account. It's mm-hmm. what I love about. Now, again, the the user interface uh, on the technical side, yes, that has to improve for Bitcoin. Okay, the, the, but that that's a simple thing. Uh, but in terms of, you know, we we just you just brought up Omar the USD coin uh, blacklisted. Yeah, you know. It's sent. I love how with Bitcoin that does that can't happen. Okay, there's no centralized control of Bitcoin. Uh, it's unconfiscatable. It can it goes across borders. So for me, I'm already satisfied with this. So when I hear the questions about you know what 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 improvements do you want to see on the technical level, I I, I have no answer because I don't. It's for me tech. I'm not into it for the te- technical stuff. I'm in it for the financial. And for me, is already the best freaking money out there. And I think that's what Nick was was getting that also. So this is a yeah. this is a huge difference why it's apples and oranges with Ethereum and Bitcoin, as Andreas has pointed out. Sorry, Nick, I didn't mean to interrupt. One thing I just wanted to say was like, when it comes to Ethereum and like, I think you said something about wrapping Bitcoin in Ethereum. For yes. me, it's just kind of like, I don't see the point in having to do that if I can just use Bitcoin and it works already. Like, so that's just well, one reason I stayed away well, from well, Well, people are doing it for yield, so, for example, uh, on Compound, which is the hot one recently, if you have wrapped Bitcoin, they might give you 2% or whatever if you lock it up there. So if you're going to be holding Bitcoin anyway, if you trust the smart contracts, uh, maybe you're even a whale and you have like 100 million or I guess 100,000 Bitcoin and you're like, screw it, I'm going to put five Bitcoin in Compound. I mean, that 2% adds up over the course of a year compounding. So people might want to take that risk just to get some sort of yield that you can't really necessarily get on Bitcoin. Uh, if people want to, you know, borrow that Bitcoin as collateral, but there's a risk there too because if 
enough people are borrowing the wrapped Bitcoin and you put it up as collateral and it reaches a utilization level of 100%, they will not let you withdraw. So there are other risks as well. If, they, if it's loaned out, then it's it's no longer in your hands. So you're kind of, yeah. in a way, still seeding your Bitcoin. That's one of the things I guess Brecky might have wanted to bring up earlier that you can't, if you could get your Bitcoin when he said that. The, the, mm -hmm. the name itself, wrapped Bitcoin, it, it it does not expose the risk, okay? Because it is, it, it's, it's, it's a Bitcoin IOU. That's, you're giving away your Bitcoin and they're saying, I, 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 owe, I, I owe it to you, you'll get it back eventually. It's not mm -hmm. the same, it's not the same as, oh, it's not the same as owning Bitcoin. It's not the same thing. So, but they, I mean, they can call it whatever they want to call it, but it is, yeah. it's risk, risk, risk. And, and everyone's brought up that word. It, it's, some people downplay the risk, but it, it's risky. There is, it's much riskier than owning the real thing. Brecky, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. You, no you, worries. I mean, yeah, look, re responsible risk disclosure is something that I think I've mentioned earlier on the show. I'm mentioning again now, and I'm going to be mentioning again going forward. It's something that we need to push for. Um, and like understanding that there is some risk or what that risk is so that you can make an appropriate decision. Like that's key. Like I'll show it a little later, but like, for example, like one of the companies I work for, we're about to release an app where we're offering 12% interest on, on Bitcoin. You know, that's, that's pretty high, but that being yes. said, like there's risk. There isn't a, you know, I think the risk is low. I have, I actually have a bunch of my money with the company, you know, but like I'm making it a priority for us that we are going to not mis make the same mistakes that other companies did, that we are going to lay out all the risks so that you can make the decision on your own, that there's no smoke and mirrors, you know? Um, oh, shit, I just totally forgot where we, where we were. Um, the, Omar, what was the, the question you were talking about a, a second ago? He was asking what? your, your te technical improvements to Bitcoin you're looking for. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do want to echo Adam and Nick a little bit in that I think – for people who have been in the space a long time, like sometimes you forget, but like the fundamentals of Bitcoin are really fucking exciting. Like to us, we okay, yeah, there's a hard cap, 21 million, and it's unconfiscatable. We've heard that so many times that it might just like you know be white noise to us, but that is fundamentally different than anything out there, including Ethereum. You know, I'm like if you're looking, if, if monetary policy is important to you, it's Bitcoin. You know, and that to me is still every day incredibly exciting but and like adam i'm happy with where it is like i'm storing a good portion of my wealth in bitcoin and i truly believe that in the long term i'm going to preserve that wealth as the state tries to suck it away um but things like lightning network like i'm incredibly excited about you know there are things like integrating lightning with gaming and it's already happening like micropayments like uh i haven't gone back and tried it again but like light night you know like you're doing a battle royale and you're playing against people and you know you shoot someone and you know they they die and you get this you get a little bit of sats for it like that's incredible or you know being able to incentivize people in in a way that uh wasn't possible before with micropayments that's incredible you know even like something like the the aeon or ion project like microsoft is using bitcoin to be able to establish like real digital identity like the, the fact that Bitcoin is so secure allows things that just isn't possible elsewhere. Um, and so I think there's there's a lot that's coming and there's a lot that's being worked on. And I don't think we've seen the end of it. You know, I think Bitcoin moves slowly, but when things come out, you know, they're big. Um, there was one other thing about Lightning. Um, oh, shit, man. Like, like, <laughs> like, um, like Zap like, or, or Lightning Strike. I don't know if you guys have been using it, like Jack Mahler's thing. I don't think a lot of people know exactly what it's for yet. 
I think you go on the website, um, and if anybody who's watching doesn't know, Strike basically allows you to hook up your bank account and pay a Lightning invoice with dollars and it instantly pays uh, in Lightning Bitcoin. So there's no taxable event, which is huge. Um, but the crazy thing is what it kind of does is it eliminates like the, the credit card fees. Like we could use Bitcoin as the rails in a fiat world. We can do that to save money. Like there's a lot of things that people aren't thinking about that are possible. So I don't know. I wake up every morning and I'm excited about Bitcoin. Sometimes I'm tired yeah, of uh, yeah. Twitter, but Bitcoin, I don't get tired of. I guess my reservation partly with some of this, like Lightning Network, uh, is is the, the technical difficulty of actually using it. And if, and if you don't want to be able to, and I've tried, I, sorry, it's my bird. He's getting excited. He's getting hyped. He, he, he likes, likes Lightning, the Lightning Network. Network. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a big fan. We, we debate a lot, um, but uh, but yeah. So so if you try to actually set up your own Lightning node and, and send some payments and receive some payments, it's difficult. As you know, you have to have 100% uptime if you're going to be receiving. You have to have your computer on, your node on. So for the average person, it's not very very easy to use, and so you have to kind of cede that control over to an operator who might have arranged for that to happen in a more centralized way that could end up stealing your funds. So like, yeah, maybe Lightning Network will get better. And I think it is still making strides to make it easier user experience wise. Yeah, it's still earlier for sure. But for now, I think that's that's where Ethereum might look a little bit better. It's that just from, you know, to try to give Bitcoin that extra functionality of, of, of use uh, or to get some sort of yield, you have to seed it to like BlockFi. And I'm not sure how Swan is doing it, but you have to cede control of your private keys to them and they hold your Bitcoin. Yeah, you'll get some yield without having to create wrapped Bitcoin, but it's still, at the, at the end of the day, it, it's a matter of choice. Do you want to go with a more centralized option or do you want to go with a decentralized option? But then you'd have to use Ethereum. So it's nice to have that choice, however, and I think Bitcoin will compete more with, with Ethereum in the future. It just moves slower again because it's not about moving fast and breaking things. It's about doing things securely. And I can respect that approach that Bitcoin is taking now. All right, I think we 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 covered this pretty well. I want to I want to get to the conclusionary uh, part of the show here, but I this Nick Nick's got to go pretty soon. He's got a meeting to go to, so we'll start we'll start out with Nick here. I do have a, a question, uh, a current event. Harvard is charging a full fifty thousand dollar tuition uh, next next year, but you'll you'll be at your parents' house. <laughs> and I, I immediately said, and other colleges are going to do the same thing. And I, I just thought, you know, so, so many kids are just going to, they're going to take that. And that that's terrible to, to be compliant that way. It's an opportunity. All that money, you could be, it could be spent on, a, or a little bit of it could be spent on Bitcoin. You could, you could take a year off until you get your real college experience. Because it's not a real college experience, you know, being at your parents' house and looking at a computer. Uh, Nick, do you have any... I mean, you're probably in college pretty recently. Uh, any take any take on that? Uh, you know, maybe this will this the, the situation that's going on current events where ki college kids are now going to be saying a lot of them are going to be like stuck at home instead of having a real college experience. Maybe some of them will wake up to Bitcoin and alternative ways of uh, living their late teens. So t take it away, Nick, and and please and and promote anything you want to talk about too. So. Um to give you a perspective, I'm only 20 years old and like I'm going into my third year of college, but like I've been debating so hard whether I even want to go back because like there's just so much more opportunity in Bitcoin and like you can make like to any of the young people out there, like you can literally make a career for yourself on Twitter. 
like like for the past like two Yo. three years i've literally just been memeing on twitter i got a job <laughs> from it i got an internship with marty bent from it like I'm doing pretty well for myself and I don't have a college degree. And it really just annoys me when I see Harvard, like, like charging people 50 K a semester for online classes is just jokes. Cause you know, all the kids are just going to sit home and, you know, cheat on all their tests and, you know, they're not going to learn anything. Like, I think even even for in-person classes, I think 50 K is way too much. <laughs> And like, I don't know, like, if people want to drop the prices, like, how about you just boycott some of the schools? Like, you know, like, stop paying for all these, uh, for all these expensive classes. But I know it goes in a little bit deeper than that, because a lot of people need the degree to get a certain job. But um, for me, myself, like, classes start next month, and I still haven't signed up for classes. And I've been emailing with my counselor, like, I don't know what I want to do. And like, yeah. Wow. I did not know you were still in the, uh, the university system, man. What you've got some decisions to make. Definitely. And bring <laughs> yeah. up, I'm so glad you could bring this perspective is you're, you're living it now. I would not want to be, I love my time. I love the social interactions of college. I really, I really had a fun time I was time just there. saying the same thing, man. I'm like, they've been trying to kill the arts since I was in high school and college, and now they're succeeding because there's no sports, there's no chorus, there's no theater. I'm like, I would have hated school. I literally would have just, I would have hated it. I don't know. Yeah, so this is me on Twitter for sure. It's a, it's a very <laughs> hey, but yeah, Nick, Nick, you're living the uh, you're living in the golden age. You're taking advantage of all this social media tools. So many people use Twitter just as a place to yell at people. You have seen the true power of social media. You can get jobs. You can network. It is so. So you do wonder is college becoming outdated? I'll tell you one thing: if you're below a top tier college or below a second tier college, I mean, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be paying like a. 50,000, you know, the 20,000, 30,000 to go to West Virginia. I don't want to rip on West Virginia, but you, you see where I'm going. We're, we're living in a new era. And if you have to sit at mom and dad's house to go to some third tier college, it seems pretty silly, especially if you could just defer it a year. Like, okay, I'm taking my year off now. All right, Nick, uh, I want to I get the other guy's opinions, but just in case you've got to go. You, can I just uh, um, show something yeah. real quick? Yeah, please. So I just want to say, check out Bitcoin 2021. The conference is going to be in LA. I'm going to be there. Brecky, I think you said you might be there. I live in um, LA. I'll be there. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got Tony Hawk and Nick Zazbo headlining it. And we're as the year goes on, we're going to be releasing a bunch of new speakers. Um, if you haven't checked out, check out earncarrot.com. You can go on there and do some tasks. And once you complete the task, you can get some stats. Um, if you're if you make a commitment to Bitcoin Core, we're giving away five million sat. Two people have already done it and claimed it. Um, follow Earn Carrot on Twitter to learn more. Um, if you roll over or refund your Bitcoin 2020 ticket, you get 21,000 sats for doing that. If you sign up for Carrot Alpha, you get 9,000 sats for doing that. There's going to be a lot more tasks coming up. Um, I'm really bullish on it, and um, yeah, I'd love to see all you guys on there. Yeah, Bitcoin 2020 was the best. I mean, we had a blast there, Brecky, did we not? Honestly, that was the best conference I went to that entire year, maybe in the last two years. Maybe. Well, Nick, you, you are definitely in motion. 
hopefully I'll be there too. I, I mean, I, I love LA. And so I, but you know, hopefully Eric Garcetti doesn't do something insane or uh, Governor Newsom doesn't shut that, you know, ruin the whole thing again. But people, I say be defiant guys, no matter what, have the event. I think everything will be somewhat normal by uh, 2021. All, all right, Nick, anything else you want to promote? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. Oh yeah, uh, well actually, for the original thing you messaged me about, um, every month I'm doing a series on Bitcoin Magazine called Reddit Roundup. Yeah. It's where I just, I know Reddit can be kind of a, um, a craft show and there's a lot of you know bad stuff on there. So I go there every day and I pick out a couple of the best links. I compile them all on an article and I write a summary about it. So you can just go through and click. Each awesome. one will have about 50 links. So the first edition is out. I'm working on the second one. And if you if you like the good Reddit current, if you like the good Reddit content, then you'll love this. So, That's but right. also thank you so much for having me on the show. And um, Brecky and Omar, it was really nice meeting you guys. You guys are really cool. I and I uh, really enjoy talking to you three. It was a blast, man. Good yeah. luck with the awesome. You're doing you're doing a real good thing there with that Reddit thing, man. You got some good ideas. So pound that like button for Nick. His uh his uh, initial appearance was glorious. Okay, you could drop off when you want to, as I know you got to go to that meeting. But let's stick with uh Brecky. You didn't comment on the college thing at all. So. Oh, real quick before we continue, my phone's at two percent, so it might die. <laughs> you know, oh, right, right. you can do your closing statements then. Your closing statements. Yeah, no, I, I thank you so much, Adam. You're an awesome interviewer. Uh, all your, I mean, every time I've seen one of your shows, you always hit the hard pressing topics. I, I, I appreciate your passion, uh, the excitement. You always fill me with Bitcoin. And yeah, I'm just as excited for Bitcoin as Ethereum. Don't don't get me wrong on that one. So yeah, thanks again, Adam. Thanks, Brecky. Thanks, Nick, if you're still there. Yeah, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys and chatting. Dude, it's, it's great that you, you, you are here. So it's, it's totally awesome. Thank you so much. He's linked to below, people. You know him already, but follow him on Twitter. Definitely awesome. All right. Uh, Brecky, you'll, uh, you'll get the final word. I want to hear your take on the college thing, Brecky, and then you can uh, do your promo and everything. Sure. Well, first I'll say if I, I, have, I have two college degrees, and uh, if I hadn't paid for them, I would have a lot more Bitcoin right now. So there's that. <laughs> um, Honestly, it's, it's kind of a complex thing. On the one hand, like let, let's use Harvard as an example, um, because I actually think it's a little misleading. Harvard actually has like a, I think a multi-billion dollar endowment. Um, and I was rejected from Harvard, so like I know these things, but uh, if, you're, if you don't have the money to pay for Harvard, you don't have to pay for Harvard. Um, a lot of people say, oh, $50,000, how can anyone afford that? Not true. I mean, it is $50,000, but a lot of the time they will give that money to you if you actually have the need for it. Um, but look at the rest of society. Not every college has that kind of endowment. A lot of colleges are supported by, by the state. And this whole narrative that's been pushed since like, I don't know, like the, the 50s or 60s, maybe 70s, it's like you need a college degree in order to get a job, in order to get the wife and the kids and the house and the this and the that, you know, it, it's bullshit. Um, for a while it was true. And in some industries it still is true. Um, but I think we are diverging from that and it's a very good thing. Um, if I were in Nick's position or if I was younger and like, I just wanted to work on Bitcoin or I wanted to like be a coder, like there are, there are very few professions that you cannot learn everything you need to learn from the internet if you are smart enough. So it's not for everyone, but you know, I don't know. I think, I think if, if you're, 
if the choice is between paying $50,000 for online courses or doing something else, go do something else. Like it makes zero sense. All right, Bricky, you said you wanted to talk about some some business to promote or something in the middle of the show. You said at the end of the show you would bring uh, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so you know, I work for Swan Bitcoin. In my opinion, the best place to auto stack Bitcoin out there, swanbitcoin.com. Um, I think I mentioned it on the last show. Um, but I've been working for a company called Tantra Labs uh, for about a year now. Um, and what we do is we specialize in algorithmic trading, um, which means basically for the last two years, we've been building and testing and, and honing in on this. And uh, it's been live with um, investor money for about a little over a year now. Um, and previously, we only were allowed to take money from accredited investors. Um, and now basically within, let's say, I think by August we'll be live, but we're launching a beta for retail. Um, and basically we are going to be similar to a block fire or Celsius um, where we offer 12% on your Bitcoin, um, which is higher than anybody out there. And the reason we can do that is because we cut out the middleman. You know, a block fire or Celsius, they don't only really tell you, it's not obvious, but they take the, whatever you lend them and they lend it out to other people. Um, and we don't do that. You know, we're the ones who are trading the Bitcoin. And look, as I've mentioned multiple times on this show, there's always risk. Um, but the thing that I am making my focus, um, and literally after this, I'm working on this all day, um, is responsible risk disclosure so that people can make their own decisions. You know, lending out your Bitcoin, putting it to work, giving away your private keys, not for everybody. Um, and it shouldn't be for everybody and no one should bet the farm and no one should be encouraged to do so. Um, so I'm hoping that we can make some waves and change the perception of that and let people take personal responsibility. And if they want to put their Bitcoin to work and earn a 12% yield uh, with a reasonable amount that is within their uh, risk profile and they've determined that's an okay amount that they're willing to risk, then, then awesome. Um, so that's what we're doing. If you have any interest in it whatsoever, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Tantra underscore labs. Uh, and you can sign up for our beta at tantralabs.io. Uh, there's more info on the site, and the site will be revamped with even more info probably early next week. Um, and as always, I'm on Twitter at BVBTC. And Adam, you're a legend. I don't think there's a show I have more fun on than this one. So thank you for having me, as always. All right. In motion. We bring the energy here. We bring the hardcore. Dude, you are the survivor. The other dudes dropped off their phones, died. They had meetings. <laughs> that is that is it. You are hardcore straight out of L.A., baby. Yoda in the background. It doesn't get much better than that. Everybody, I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Remember, best freaking guest in the space every freaking Friday here. DisruptMeister.com. New show every day. Backup channel on Saturdays is the Beyond Bitcoin show. I think I'm going to do a little extra show over there today. So subscribe to the main channel, the backup channel. Uh, Shabbat Shalom. We will see you tomorrow, next week, whenever. You got. You know with Adam Meister, it is conviction. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks a lot, Brecky. Spread the word. And uh, 